Well, today is uh, part three of our series called Flip the Switch, where we're flipping the switch over from basically the, the stories of the Old Testament that we started looking back in, what, the end of summer or so, and we're going over to the stories of the New Testament now. We're flipping from the, the darkness and the, the nation of Israel and everything that was going on in the world to the light that Jesus was going to bring into the world. Now, the truth be told, as you've already figured out, even though we're flipping the switch from the stories of the Old Testament to the story of Jesus, we're actually still hanging out in the Old Testament as we're going through this series. We're looking at the uh, book of Isaiah and seeing what it is that Isaiah wrote 700 years before the time of Jesus. He gives this incredible prophecy of Jesus coming. And what we need to understand is that this prophecy of Isaiah is just one of 333 prophecies in the Old Testament that are said about Jesus. Now remember, the Old Testament was already completed and being translated in other languages 400 years before the time of Jesus. So nobody can say that, okay, well, they went back and they changed some of the stuff in order for it to, to fit Jesus. Again, this, this was a widely circulated, uh, circulated document and what we call, again, the, the Old Testament. And there's 333 prophecies about Jesus. Here's one of them. Isaiah gives it in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We've looked at this for the past couple weeks. Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Nate and I have been sharing with you over the last couple weeks that names are very, very important. How many of you have kids? How many of you had kids? All right. How many of you really wrestled over what do I name my children, right? I mean, you, you went through all the little books and stuff and you were like looking on, the, well, maybe they didn't have one line when you guys, but you know what I'm saying? You, you, you did some research on, on this of what's a good name. And there was also some uh, sort of some sticky issues as you and your spouse talked about it. Like, you know, one of the things is if your spouse had a boyfriend or a girlfriend that had that particular name, that name was off limits. There was no way you're naming your child that. Or maybe it was somebody that high school or at work or something that you just really didn't get along with. Right? They just, hmm. You're not going to name your child after that person. The other thing you have to keep in mind is how does the first name that you're choosing go along with your last name? You've got to be very careful there. If Lisa and I had had children... We would not have named the little girl Ima, because Ima Thurston would just, you know, she would just be picked on for the rest of her life. Think about the Butlers. They, the Bill and, and Megan, you know, they, they named their son Ryan. They didn't name him Yura, right? Because you're a butler, you know? Yura <laughs> Butler would have served Ima Thurston some drinks or something, right? And she would have probably gotten married to Nate and Allison's, you know, little kid, young buck, right? <laughs> So you, you got to be very careful with this. But as I was researching, and, and by the way, as a pastor, it's cool to be able to research some of these things. So I, I Googled, like, what are some unfortunate names that people have named their, their children? And you'd be surprised what are out there. Let, let me give you just a, a couple of them. Look, look at this one here. Anita Mann. And, and by the way, these, these are all real. These are all real. I'm not, making, I'm not making any of these up. Here's another one. Eileen Wright. My, my guess is she has problems getting uh, conversations off on the right foot. <laughs> See what I mean? I mean, you're just going to be picked on. <laughs> now, as I was researching these, there was a lot that just simply were not appropriate to have in a sermon. <laughs> Quite frankly, they were a little bit funny, but 
You, you, can't, you can't do them. But I, I, did, I did find a couple of them. If your last name is Lester, do not name your kid this. Why would you call your kid Mo Lester? It just doesn't make any sense. Here, here's another one. Look at this. Destiny Hooker. Why? <laughs> Names are really, really important. And when God decided to send his one and only son into the world, he said, names are important. And so here is these names that I'm going to give that isn't necessarily his name, but it describes who he is and, and what he's going to be about. So let's look at it again there. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, just that second part of the verse. And he will be called what? He'll be called, what's it say? Wonderful counselor. He'll be called, he'll be called, he'll be called the prince of peace. So far, we've looked at Wonderful Counselor. We've looked at Mighty God. Today, I want to talk to you about the next one, that is the Everlasting Father. Now, before we actually jump into it, let me clear something up here. When you hear Jesus called the Everlasting Father, some of you get confused. You're like, wait a second, I thought it was like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you know, Trinity, and that Jesus is the second part. He is the, the Son, so how is it that he's the Everlasting Father? Well, that's a, a great question. Jesus and God the Father aren't switching places here. They're still God the Father. Jesus still is God the Son. What this is referring to is Jesus' relationship to you, that he is going to be your Everlasting Father. You know, Jesus said this, and you've heard other people say it, you know, through Scripture and pastors and stuff, that you must be born again. Well, how do you become born again? Who's it through? Who's it through? Come on, this is the easy one. I know it's early, but come on. It's through Jesus. It's through Jesus that we are born again. We need to be spiritually reborn again. So who does that for us? Who is our Father? He is our Father in that. So again, don't, don't get it confused. There's still God the Father. There's still Jesus the Son. But this is him, Jesus, as your spiritual father in this case. So let's talk about fathers, that he is the everlasting father. You know, when you, you start thinking about fathers, if you're like me, you're thankful. And I'm not just saying that because my dad's here. But, you know, I, I, my, my dad's a great guy. I love my dad. Is he perfect? No, but I wasn't a perfect son either. I mean, close, but I mean, you know, <laughs> it's not true. He could tell you some stories. <laughs> he won't. He won't, but uh, okay, he will, yeah. <laughs> so he wasn't perfect, but I had a great relationship with my dad. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. Some of you, you didn't have a great relationship with your dad. Maybe it was a, a strained relationship in some way. And so when you start hearing this about God the Father or Jesus as the everlasting Father, there's a part of you that cringes a little bit. You know, because what, what ends up happening most, most of the times is however we view our earthly Father is how we tend to view God the Father and how we view Jesus as the everlasting Father. If you're here today and your dad abandoned you, he just left, left you and your family. You're going to tend to believe that Jesus is just going to do the same thing to me. I'll sure he'll come and have a relationship with me for a, a short time, but eventually he'll just 
leave me for something better, for something else. Or, you know, some of you are here today and maybe your dad was present, but he wasn't really present. He was just too busy for you. You know, you, you always felt like you were just a distraction to him. And so you tend to believe that, that Jesus is going to be the same way. That, yeah, Jesus says he wants a relationship with me, but I can't really talk to him because he's too busy. He's got other things in the world going on. I'll, I'll just be a distraction to him. And so, again, that, that impacts your relationship with him. Or, or some of you are here today, and, and your dad was not only present, but he really was present in your life, but it seemed like you could never live up to his expectations. Seemed like you were always having to, to do things and earn his merit and earn his favor. Again, you come to Jesus and, and you think it's the exact same way that, wow, I've got to earn. I've got to earn Jesus' love. I've got to earn his affection. And you see what you're doing? You're, you're just you're filtering your, your earthly father and Jesus all together. And then, of course, some of you are here today and yeah, and an abusive father. And the pain of that, it still hurts, that, that pain of abuse. And you, you hear about Jesus, but you think that, you know what? Jesus, he, he's just looking for any reason possible to come and punish me. He's going to put all these, these huge expectations on me. And if I don't meet those expectations, there's going to be hell to pay. And so again, the, the whole thought of God as Father and, and Jesus the, the Son as the everlasting Father, it, it impacts you. Because you're, you're again filtering through your earthly dad and how he treated you and what he said to you. And you think Jesus is going to do the exact same thing to me. But my goal today is this. I want to show you that Jesus is different in a relationship with him where you embrace him as the everlasting father is the absolute best thing that you could possibly do. Again, don't judge Jesus through the eyes of what your earthly father did. Judge Jesus based on his own words and the words that other people have spoken about him. And so that's what I want to do this morning is look at how does Jesus treat you as the everlasting father. We're going to hang out in Psalm 103 verse 8. That, that's going to be the, the sort of the key verse for today, and we'll unpack that. But I want you to look at, at what it says here. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Look at that again. Let that sink in, especially for those of you that had a bad experience with your earthly dad that this is how Jesus, as the everlasting Father, is going to treat you. He is full of compassion. He's full of mercy. He is slow to get angry with you. And he is filled with unfailing love. Here's what you need to understand. There is absolutely nothing you could do right now that would make God love you any more than he does right now in this moment. guess what else is true? There's nothing you could do to make him love you any less in this moment. 
His love for you is big, it's wide, it's deep, it's everlasting. But we think that we, we've got to earn his love or that there's things that we could do that would, you know, he, he would not love us anymore. That's simply not true. He's compassionate, he's merciful, he's slow to get angry and his love is unfailing. Now, I can already, as I'm looking out, I see that some of you, that this is really, the Spirit is speaking to you, and it, it's touching a nerve. Because you, your dad put all this pressure on you, and there was this sort of a burden on you. And it really, if you're being honest, it wore you out. But look at what Jesus says about this. He is different. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, he says, Come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Two things to take note of here. In this particular verse. First of all, a yoke. And we, we've talked about this before. A yoke is a piece of farm equipment that attaches two like animals together. It's usually made out of wood, and it goes over their necks. And you see it like with oxen or horse or whatever, and it, it, it yokes them together so that they work together as a team. And they're always going the same way. And so Jesus says, yoke up to me. Get on my team. I'll lead you in the right ways to go. And the other thing is that a rabbi's teaching was known as their yoke. Remember we talked about last week that, that Jesus was a, a, a rabbi that had shmiha. He had this power to, and an authority to speak in the mighty name of God. And he was given this teaching. And what Jesus is saying here is, hook up to me, hook up to my teaching. Because my teaching is easy. And the burden that I'm going to place on you is is light. If you're weary, if you're feeling burdened, come to me, he says. I'll give you rest. You know, oftentimes we think that the, the Bible's a, a big book and it, and it weighs heavy on you, that there's so much in here that I've got to do. But remember what we've talked about before that Jesus said, look, let me summarize it all for you. He said, just love God and love people. His teaching is easy. Love God Love people. That isn't a burden. Love God. Love people. Come to me if you're weary and burdened. Take my yoke upon you. I will give you rest. That's what a good father does. When his child is burdened, he, he's there to, to pick them up and comfort them, to, to give them rest. You know, think about it. If you take your kid out, you know, especially their three, four, five years old out the Hershey Park and you've been there all day or, or, or maybe you had your kid all day out Christmas shopping or whatever, by the end of the day, you know, the kid's just like, ah, you know, got to get back to the car in the parking lot at Hershey Park. What's a good father do? Reaches down, scoops them up and carries them. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. If you're weary, if you're burdened, he wants to pick you up and carry you and take you home. And a good father teaches his kids and has rules for his kids, not because he's being a slave master, but 
not because he wants to put a burden on them, but because he loves the child, wants to protect them and point them towards the best path. And that's the picture that Jesus is painting here. And whether your dad was a good dad like that, a good father or not, realize that Jesus is. That's what he wants to do for you. So again, don't filter him through the past experiences that you had with your earthly father. Trust Jesus and allow him to prove himself on his own measure and his own worth. So again, he, he loves you and he has compassion on you. He, he wants to take your burdens. And he cares for you. Look at, look at what one of his best friends, a guy by the name of Peter. Peter says this about Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He cares for you, so turn all of your what? Turn all of your worries over to him. Isn't that what a good dad does? When the child is worried, you, you bring those worries, you bring those cares, you bring those concerns to your father. Jesus himself said this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 26. I tell you, don't worry about the food or the drink you need to live or about the clothes you need for your body. Jesus says life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. You know, the, the role of a good father is to provide those things for you. I have a feeling that none of you here today, you know, had to worry about food and clothes when you're growing up. Oh, sure, maybe it wasn't the style of clothes that you wanted, or it wasn't exactly the type of food that you wanted, but that was provided for you. That's what a good father does. They, they give you food and, and shelter, and, and they care for you. They provide for you. And Jesus, as he goes on in this particular passage, he starts saying, look, guys, he's like, look at Look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies in the field here. He says, if, if God, our Father, loves the birds so much that he feeds them, and if God, our Father, clothes these lilies in such magnificent beauty, if God does that, what makes you think that he won't do that for you? Because you're his crowning achievement. You are his most precious creation. If God takes care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. Certainly, Jesus says, he'll take care of you. And so that's why Jesus concludes this particular portion of Scripture in Matthew 6, 34, by saying, don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Let me read that again. Some of you need to hear that. Jesus says, don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. That's the role of a good father. But hey, kid, no matter what happens, I'm going to be here for you when the hard times come. So again, Jesus is the everlasting father. He loves us. He has compassion on us. He cares for us. And next, David, when he wrote this psalm, he says that he's slow to get angry. You know, earlier I talked to you about how God's love for you will never change no matter what, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't get disappointed. But even in that, it's not that he's disappointed in you, it's that he's disappointed for you. Because he has a, a better plan for your life even than what you have for your life. He knows your potential. He knows what could happen. And so when, when he gets angry, it's not anger in a, in a bad way, it's anger in a good way because his heart is broken when you deviate from his perfect path that he's laid out for you. But you know what? Even when he's angry... He's quick to forgive. 
All you have to do is ask for his forgiveness and turn from your sin or turn from your wrongdoing and he will forgive you. So he's slow to anger and quick to forgive. And many of you experienced the exact opposite with your earthly dad. Your dad was quick to get angry and slow to forgive. But Jesus is the opposite way. Micah, who was a, a contemporary of Isaiah, he, he prophesied this. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 to 19. He says, There is no other God like you. You forgive the sin and pardon the rebellion of your children. You do not remain angry for long because you delight in showing your unfailing love. You will have compassion on us and you will overcome our wrongdoing. You will bury our sins into the depths of the sea. Notice he's saying that you will, you will, you will. Who's he speaking about? Who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about Jesus, that Jesus is going to do these things for us, that he will forgive us. He will overcome our wrong undoing. He will have compassion, and he'll bury our sins into the depths of the sea to be remembered no more. Now, how, how do we get that? How do we get that type of forgiveness? Well, another one of Jesus' best friends, a guy by the name of John, he says this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You don't have to earn it. You just confess your sin to God and he's faithful and he's just and he'll forgive you. And not only will he forgive you, but it says here he'll cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. And then this is the grace of God. This is what Jesus did for us by dying on the cross. Paul says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The reward for sin is death, but the gift that God freely gives us is everlasting life found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, the, the key word there is the word gift. You don't earn this gift. You don't even deserve this gift. This is something that God gives you. And this is hard for some of you to accept in your life because, again, when it came to your earthly dad to get his love, to get his forgiveness, to get his acceptance, it meant you had to earn it. You had to work hard for it. But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's not how I am as a father. I'm going to give this to you as a gift. Now, I've used an illustration for many, many years that I want to use with you. I want you to picture who is your best friend. Just picture in your mind who, who your best friend is that you've had for a long, 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 long time. And I want you to imagine that you want to treat him or her to something special. You know, what, what is it that they're into? What is the, the big hobby that they have? Or, or you know, what, what is their, their main thing that they're, they're into? And then I want you to imagine what is the most elaborate thing that you could do for them? Something that would like last a whole year and would take them all around the world, that they would get to meet the, the people that are in that hobby or that industry or, or you know, maybe they're into to music or whatever. And so you're going to put them, you know, take them to concerts every single day throughout the world. And you're going to pay for all this. And it's first class private air flight. You're putting up in five-star hotels. Every meal is going to be a five-star meal. Again, you're paying for the whole thing, and it's 
going to be a year, and it's probably going to cost you, you know, well over a million dollars to pull this whole thing off. And so now picture in your mind that you're excited, you've purchased all this, and, and you're ready to give it to them, so you, you put together like a little gift certificate type thing that you've typed up, and, and you tuck it into a, a card, and you invite them over for breakfast. And you have them there, and they're like, what's going on? You're like really giddy this morning. What's going on? You're like, okay, I can't stand it anymore. Here, I want to give you this. And you give them the card, and they open it up, and they read all of this elaborate gift that you've decided to give them. And I want you to imagine that their very first response is they reach into their wallet, they reach into their purse, and they pull out a $1 bill, and they say, here. How would that make you feel in that moment when you have just tried to give them this elaborate gift and they're trying to give you a dollar bill? Go ahead, shout it out. How would you feel? Confused, what else? Upset, what else? Hurt, angry, that they're unappreciative. I mean, if they got out a checkbook and wrote like a check for $100,000, you may excuse that of, okay, they just didn't, understand the, the magnitude of it but one dollar they, they understand that it costs more than one dollar that's a slap in the face here's another question if you accept the dollar is it a gift anymore no why but uh, what did they just buy they, they bought that trip for one dollar Here's what we need to understand about our lives. Many of us were going, I need to earn God's love. I need to earn his affection. I need to earn his forgiveness. I need to earn his grace. I've got to do a, all, all the good stuff. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to pray. I've got to come to church. I've got to give money. I've got to go help my neighbors. I've got to do, 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 do. And God's going, hey, put away your dollar. Put it away. I don't need that. that. That's a slap in the face for what I did on the cross for you. What I did on the cross, it's an absolutely free gift that I'm giving to you. You don't earn that gift. You don't even deserve that gift. It's a gift. All you have to do is like any gift, if I say to Nate, I say, Nate, here, I want to give this dollar to you as a gift. Is it a gift yet? No, even though I offered it, what does he have to do? He has to... <laughs> He has to take it. <laughs> Notice I didn't use a $100 bill as the illustration. <laughs> he has to take it. It's only once he takes it that it's a gift. And it's the same way for you and I. We have got to take the gift that he has given us. And what did John say in the verse that we looked at just before? How do we get that gift? How do we take that gift? We just confess our sins to him. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Not only does he give us the gift, but then he wipes the slate clean. He gives us a fresh start. We're brand new. And he sends his spirit to live in us, to lead us and guide us and to protect us. That's what a good father does. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. As bad as you are, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. But your heavenly father is even more ready to give good gifts to people who do what? People who ask. It's not just salvation. He wants to give good gifts to his children. 
He wants to bless his children, and that's you. And so if you've confessed your sins to Jesus, don't think for a moment that he hasn't forgiven you. And again, the bonus is he'll cleanse you as well. The, the final point I want to make today then is that Jesus is not an absentee father. Look at what the writer of Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 5 says. I will never leave you, and I will never abandon you. Now here's something that I found pretty cool when I was studying here. The original Greek for the word never there, it's best translated as the word never. <laughs> never means never. He's like, I will never, 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 ever leave you. I will never, 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 ever abandon you. Jesus isn't going to abandon you no matter what. See, he's not the kind of dad that's going to walk out on you for a better option. If anything, that'll be what we do. That we'll abandon him. We'll, we'll leave him for what we think is a better option. We'll, we'll go after someone or something that we think is better than a relationship with Jesus. But you know what he does as a loving father? He continues to pray for you. He continues to pursue you. And when you do come home, he's there with open arms. Why? Because he is slow to get angry, but he's quick to forgive. And he'll welcome you back home. He's also not the kind of father that's going to abuse you. In fact, he allowed himself to be abused for you. He doesn't abuse you. He allowed himself to be abused for you. That's a good, good father. And I, I love that Isaiah calls him the everlasting father. You know what everlasting means? That he knew you and he began to love you even when he was knitting you together in your mother's womb. And everlasting means that he'll continue to love you forever even if that means that you choose hell over him. Notice what I just said there. A lot of people think that well, God will send people to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. If you end up in hell, it's because you chose to walk out on him. And even in hell, he will still love you forever and ever and ever. you chose to walk away and you said I think it's better for me to spend eternity separated from God and like a good father he says I'm going to keep pursuing you I'm going to keep pursuing you but ultimately if you keep saying I don't want anything to do with you I'm going to love you enough to let you go so again if you end up in hell it's because you chose hell over him as I wrap up, let me again, once again, encourage you to not judge Jesus by the mistakes of your earthly father. Jesus is the father that you've always wanted. And if you were wounded or you were disappointed by your earthly father, Jesus can heal those wounds. He can heal that disappointment. And he can get you to the place where you'll even be willing to, to love your earthly dad again and forgive your earthly dad again. He can do that. And, you know, maybe you're like me and you had a good father. And that's not your issue. Maybe your issue is that right now, 
you're going through life and it feels like you've fallen down in, in the game of life. And metaphorically, you've bloodied your knees. But like a good father, Jesus is going, you know what? Run to me. I know you're screaming and crying, but run to me. Jump into my loving arms. Run into my protective arms and I hold you tight. We've all seen this before, you know, a little kid that's just like sobbing and crying, you know, almost hyperventilating, you know, <laughs> and they jump into the arms of their father, and their dad holds them tight, and they're, <laughs> but the longer the dad holds them, gives you peace a peace that the Bible says surpasses all understanding that's what Jesus wants to do for you I don't know what you came in here with today you know the, the Christmas season is very very stressful but run to him because he is a good good father he can heal the, the boo-boos of life hold you close in his big, strong, and loving arms. And I promise you this, he will never, never, ever let you go. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this day and for this opportunity we've had to come together to once again look at these wonderful names that you have given your son, that he is wonderful counselor, he is the mighty God, he is the everlasting father, and as we'll look at next week, he is the prince of peace. Lord, in, in light of today's message, and, and again, I, I saw that your spirit was working in so many hearts and lives, I just pray that you would bring that peace and comfort to each and every one of us. But Lord, no matter what image it is that we have of a dad in our mind, that we would take that image out and we would replace it with the image of you. That you're loving and compassionate that you're merciful, that you're slow to get angry, that you're quick to forgive, and that your love never, ever runs out. It never fails. Lord, help us to remember that that relationship, that we get to call you Abba, we get to call you Daddy, we get to call you Father, isn't something that we earn we don't even deserve it. That's something that you've given to us as a gift. To help us to reach out and receive that. Claim it as our own as we confess our sins to you. Jesus, thank you that, again, there's nothing we can do to make you love us more and there's nothing we could do that would make you love us less. You love us with that everlasting love to help us to choose you and to choose to want to spend eternity with you instead of an eternity separated from you. Help us to walk in the ways that as a good father you've laid out for us, ways that are even better and higher than our ways, ways that will give us the, the best life now and the best life in the life yet to come. Thank you, Jesus. It's our everlasting father that you made that possible for us on the cross. 
It's in your precious name that I pray. Amen.